but if you got your Bibles, let's turn together. And um, actually, don't turn anywhere. Let's just let's talk a few minutes, and then we'll turn. Uh, but again, we're continuing our series, just talking about a life of honor. And uh, we're going to go a little bit further into this. Has this been a helpful or a blessing to anybody? Yes. Again, for those online folk, just want to let everyone, everybody in the room said amen. So, I mean, you don't have to type amen anymore here. You can actually just shout it out. That's a good place to be. And uh, what we've been discussing and just talking about, and you know what, the most important thing is what we're here for, what we're here to talk about is really not just, you know, so that we can understand, you know, live a life of honor and that's it. I mean, honor comes with great reward. And that's what we're taking the time to discuss it and learn about it because it's going to impact our lives for the better. And uh, I'm going to just take a couple of minutes just to review a few things because we've gone all over a lot of stuff and I want to make sure that we're all getting it right because, listen, I've been, I've been studying this now pretty hardcore for the last little while and I'm finally just seeing it. And uh, so I want to just take my time going through this because I don't want to rush it. Anybody enjoy rushing things? No, I, I don't. Maybe if you're like in labor, ready to deliver a baby, yes, we rush things. But for the most part, man, just take your time, just chill out. We just move on a little bit. And the reason why we are discussing this is our focus, especially in these, these times that we're living in, is we want to be people who walk with God. And when I say walk with God, it doesn't mean you're just, you know, walking hand in hand. That's great. But that means we're understanding his ways. We know why God does what he does. And Psalm 103, verse 7, you don't have to turn there. It just says this, that God revealed his character to Moses and his acts or his deeds to the people of Israel. Now you can see that there's a difference between Moses and the people of Israel. And what was the major difference between that two group of people? What do we see here? I just, I just read it, y'all. What did, what, did God, what did God do for Moses? He revealed his character to Moses. What did the Israelites see? They saw his acts. Now, I don't know about you, I don't want to just see the acts of God. I want to know why God does what he does. I want to know the character of God. And this is why we're commanded in the New Testament over and over. God even says, seek my face. Seek my face. What does his face represent? His face represents his character. It's his nature. It's who God is. There's a reason why God blesses us. There's a reason why God heals us. Why is it? A lot of times we just know this is the outcome. I, I got healed one time. But why does he do it? And this is what we want to discuss. We want to know his ways. And the ways of God is because he loves us. That's the bottom line. The reason why God does anything is because he loves you. Why did he save you? Because he loves you. John 3, 16. Why does he baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Because he loves you. Why does he heal your body? Because he loves you. Why does he bless you? Because he loves you. Why does he give you peace? Are you getting a hint? It's because he loves you. And this is what we're talking about is because we want to know the ways of God, not just his, his acts of God. We want to know his character, the reason why he does what he does. And what we're doing is we're just taking the time to make adjustments in our lives. How many know adjustments are good? Anybody gone to a chiropractor before? What do they do? <laughs> we heard some word fixes. They fix you. They adjust. They make adjustments in you. Right, if you're kind of hunched all over, well, here the chiropractor will come and just pop you back in place. Because if you don't get some of those things straightened out, what is it going to do? It could be potential damage to other parts in your body. Right? So adjustments are needed. They're continually needed. So don't ever think walking with God that you finally got adjusted and now I'm perfect. You and I, throughout our lifetime, we will constantly be needing adjustments in our life. So if you know anybody that says, I'm, I'm totally adjusted, I'm good now, it ain't so. We all need adjustments, right? Okay. 
So what we're doing here is we're actually taking the time to start thinking and acting like God. When we make the adjustments to think like God, to act like God according to his word, we're just making little tweaks continuously. And Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, this is the verse I just want to share on the screen. How do I make adjustments in my life? It's an exchange of thoughts. This is the adjustments that got to take place. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do I have that on the screen? It should pop up. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. It would say, don't copy. Now, I know you know this verse, but man, we got to get this. Don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? How is God going to transform us into a new person? By changing the way we think. So it doesn't come by praying for it. It doesn't come by fasting. It doesn't come by running around a building. How does it come? It comes by changing the way that I think. Now, anybody have ever changed the way they thought before? What does it require? It's intentional, is it not? It's intentional. You are going, you're taking the time to get into the Word to find out what the Word says. It doesn't happen by you just osmosis where you put the Bible underneath your pillow and boom, all of a sudden just these new thoughts come on. That'd be great if it did. I tried that in math. It did not work. How do I know? Ask my math teacher and look at my grade. I thought that they couldn't do math real right. I mean, it's, it didn't work. You know, sleeping and laying on top of that thing and just, Lord, I didn't study last night. I'm screwed. How am I going to do this? Didn't work. The same way with the Word of God. It is intentional. So if I want to be living a transformed life, guess what? It's intentional. But it's not through this striving and i got to be a better person. And it's not striving to have better attitudes and better behavior. That's not what this is about. Better behavior is a result of different thinking. If we change the thought, we can change the way that it works out in our life. Because if we keep running into the same cycle over and over and over again, what's the problem? It's the thought problem. Why do you see same people running into the same situations over and over and over again? Why can't they just break out? They need a new thought. If you continue to say and think the same way, guess what? You're going to get the same outcomes in your life. The outcomes that you're experiencing in your life right now, guess what? It's a result of the way you've been thinking over, over a period of time, right? And so let me just encourage you with this. Anytime, when, again, what we're going to be talking about is, again, honor. But we're going to be making adjustments in our life. And as I said, don't ever think that we are going to pass getting and making adjustments. Because you know what the reward is for making adjustments in our life and, you know, straightening our life out to line up with the word? When we start seeing fruit in our life, guess what the reward is? More adjustments. <laughs> More pruning. You read John chapter 15, right? He talks about the, the tree and the vine. Who are we? We're the vine. Nope. Tree, we're the branches. Jesus is the vine. And what happens when we continually to bear fruit? What happens? More pruning takes place. So the reward of seeing results in your life is, guess what? Pruning. Everybody poke your neighbors and give them a good prune for a sec. Prune. It's going to happen. It's good. And this is the reward that we get. And that's good news. Anybody enjoying Pruning. May not enjoy it all the time, but guess what? It's for more fruit. So we got to prune away. Okay, let me finish this verse. It says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And you know what the biggest thing is that people ask is, what is God's plan for my life? What's his will? Well, to the degree that your mind is renewed with his word is the degree that you're walking out God's will for your life. That was worth taking a shower this morning and coming to church right there. What's God's will for my life? To the degree that your mind is renewed with his word 
is the degree that you and I are walking in His perfect, His pleasing will. How much will do you want to walk in? It's not just, oh God, I just, I'm just, Lord, just show me your will, show me your will. He's saying, change your thinking so I can show you more. The reason why he's not going to show it all is because it'll scare you. Or I don't want to do any of that. That's, that's not me, God. He needs to change the way that you think, right, so that he can show you more and more things. Okay, now let's talk about this because, again, this is intentional. But we have to ask ourselves this question, who is influencing our thought life? Who is influencing it? Because if we don't intentionally make time to be with Jesus and his word and allow it to shape our thoughts, to allow it to shape our thinking, by default, the world and its ways are molding us into its custom. By default, it automatically happens. Everything in this world is going in a negative direction. So to live this Christian life, guess what that means? Is that we are swimming upstream. Right? And it is upstream hard work. It is hard work. It requires intentionality. Right? doesn't just when you come to Jesus, everything's A-OK. Yeah, Jesus came to give you a good life. Absolutely. But in it, it's not always the easiest. So you and I, we are now learning to live a life upstream. Is it nice just to put up, you know, just to stop and just float downriver? Sure it is. But listen, that's not where the true freedom in life is. I'm so glad that my brother Donovan in the back is the only one excited in the room. Donovan, do you want to come up? We'll just do this together. We can. <laughs> All right. So here's a reality, again, that we've got to face and we've got to grasp, that any time that our thinking is contrary to what this word says, I am wrong. Anything in my life, any thought pattern that I have in my life that's contrary to what this word says, who's wrong, him or me? It's going to be me. So this is why we have to continually make adjustments in our lives so that our lives look like what this word says. I don't change the word to fit my lifestyle. I change my lifestyle to fit this word. Right? Why? Because God is going to dictate to flesh. Flesh is not going to dictate to God. It'll never happen. So this is why we got to get on God's side and His way of thinking. Just stay on God's side and you will be right. It's a good place to be. Anybody enjoy being right? How many of you with your spouse? How many of you are right with your spouse? Like you're, you're the one who seems to be right more of the time. Oh, hey, just hand. You're just always wrong, Chuck. That's just what it is. Jamie's not here, so I mean, I'm right. <laughs> just leave, leave it at that she'll correct me after service don't worry we'll forget that sword so what are we talking about a life of honor let's look at this second john chapter one verse eight we've read this verse three times good we're going to read it again and we're going to put our eyes on it again what does it say second john one eight it says be on your guard there's a be on guard every time i see that i think of uh antonio banderas the mask of zorro zorro be on guard be on your guard. The Bible says in many different ways. He says, look to yourselves or watch out. Everybody say, watch out. watch out. This is what we're on guard for. And he continues to say, be on your guard so that you do not lose all that we have diligently worked for, but we receive a full reward. We are to be on guard. That means I have a responsibility in my life. I don't just float through this life that there's a responsibility that I carry and then there's a God side. We always got to know this in our life. There's always a man's side and there's a God's side. God will always do his side. God will never fail to act. He will never fail to respond. He is always good. He, in fact, he's watching over his word to perform it. What does he need? He needs now you and I to come in alongside with him so that we, we cooperate with him in his word. He's able to perform it quickly in our lives. That's who he is. That's our God. He's a good God. He's never late. And here's the other thing. He's never early. So I've had people come up to me and say, well, I'm all, you know, I like to be an early guy. When the meeting's at 9, I like to be there at 
kudos, good, good job. The meeting starts at 9, so you be there at 9. We kind of want God to be there at 8.45. God is not an 8.45 a.m. kind of a guy. He'll be there at 9 a.m. when it starts. So sometimes you gotta, you got to realize that God's not late, but he's never early. He is always on the right time. Cool. So we got to be on guard. And what am I on guard for in my life? That I receive the full reward for my life. That we receive a what? Full reward. If there's a full reward, could that also mean that there's a partial reward? Could it also mean that there's a no reward? Absolutely. I want the full reward. Anybody else want a full reward? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give me one of those. So now, as I said, it's my job to align myself with God's word. That I continually make the proper choices according to his word so that I see and I get the full reward. How many know choices are a big deal? Again, I hear my mama's voice in my brain. Make good choices. Any parents say that to your kids? Make good choices all the time. Why is that? Because choices put you on a specific path. Choices put you on a specific path. Say that with me. Choices put you on a specific path. Now, I want you to see this verse. Deuteronomy chapter 30. You all know this verse, but I want to bring it to your attention again. Verse 19, this is what God is speaking to Israel, and he's saying this. Today. Everybody say today. Today. August 2nd. Today. Yeah, I'm just telling you the date. August 2nd. Today, I have given you the choice. Everybody say choice. I've given you the choice to between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the what? The choice. Who's watching? Heaven and earth are watching the choices that we make. And then he says, oh, that you would. Can you see a father pleading with his children? Oh, please. Maybe parents, you've done the same thing. Please make the right choice. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your, click, descendants. Who's descendants? What are those? My children, the choices you make, don't just think you're living for yourself. The choices you make today as a parent, as a grandparent, they are actually not only affecting you, they are affecting those that are underneath you as well. So God is saying, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Uh, You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to this, to him, sorry, to him. This is the key to your life. This is the key to your life. This is the key to your life. You can make supernatural choices right now and see supernatural results. See, people in the Christian world, they're looking for just the miraculous to take place every once in a while. God never created you to live from miracle to miracle. What is a miracle? A miracle, again, is getting things where there was, you know, maybe it's a healing in your body. Maybe there's a financial thing. Maybe it's just some crazy situation relationally. A miracle simply comes in to change that horrible state of what something is and bring it back in line to what it should be. If you are completely sick in your body, if you get receive a miracle, and God is a God of miracles, I believe that, absolutely. All of a sudden, like say, you, you're going through something in your physical body. He, a miracle comes in and totally sets you free. He puts you back on track. God's design was not for you to go four months later. You're going to need the same miracle to come happen again. God's plan for you is abundance. What is abundance? You live every single day in the goodness and the faithfulness of God, day in and day out. That's where you and I, my choices come into play. He's saying, oh, this is the key to your life. Now, what we're talking about is choosing a life of honor. Honor is a choice that you make. I'm jumping a little ahead of myself, but here again in North American culture, 
We are of the idea that you have to earn my respect. If you are a good person, you are a good leader, you're a good whatever individual in the case, then I will respect you, then I will show you honor. But in the kingdom of God, it's a little bit different because we have the fear of the Lord on the inside of us. People that are in authority, we look at them and say, we see God's authority on you, therefore you already have my respect. This is it. I already see that you're in that position. I already want to respect and honor that position. Why? Because that's the fear of the Lord on the inside of us talking. Again, what is that? Honor is a choice. It's a choice you choose to give or something that you withhold, but ultimately it's a choice that you make. And choosing to honor will put you on a path that far succeeds anything that would be from not honoring. Big time. And let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, before I go ahead, but I want to remind everybody that this is a spiritual law. The law, the honor is a spiritual law. And I want to show you this, 1 Samuel 2.30. Near the very end of that verse, God says, those who honor me, what will happen? I will honor. And then he goes on, and those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now again, those that honor God, what will happen to their life? Come on, y'all, we got to answer this. You honor God, what's going to happen? You will be honored. And I would encourage you, look through the gospels, see all the accounts when Jesus healed, when Jesus set free. And every time that you see in a connection, especially to healing, what do you notice? You'll notice that honor was given. To the degree that somebody honored the Lord was the degree that Jesus was able to work in their life. Well, I thought it was faith. Yes, absolutely. You cannot have faith apart from honor. Because what does honor mean? Honor means is that you have reverence or you value someone it actually says to, so what does it mean to honor God? It's to value him, to see his words or his ways as precious. And his ways will not make sense to the carnal man. Come on, somebody. His ways do not make sense to a carnal man. Does it always make sense to honor? No, not at all. Far from it. Yet his ways are higher than our ways. And it's not that all of a sudden his ways are so high we can't figure them out. No, so he clearly showed it to us. He said, if you would forsake that old way of thinking, old way of doing things, come up to my way, I'll be able to show you a higher level. We've got way too many low-level Christians in their thinking and in their believing. Now, they're, all, they're just basically the way we kind of see it from a leadership perspective, just one of those chickens that just peck at the ground all the time. They're just pecking and bobbing and living this life, you know, gobble, gobble, doing their thing. When God's called you and I to soar, we, we sing about it. You raised me up and I'm seated. I have authority. And meanwhile, since we're at this place of authority, but why are we hanging around just pecking and doing our thing? There's a stupid over there and they're stupid over here. Peck, 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 peck. That's all you're going to get. That's your reward. But God wants to call us up higher. So get to know his ways. And when you start operating like God, guess what? You get God's results. And this is why we're talking about honor because honor is his way. That's how he does things. He goes on in 1 Samuel 2.30. Those who despise me, the NIV says, they will be disdained. And that word disdained in the, our English dictionary says the feeling that someone is unworthy of one's consideration or respect. So, if God considers those who dishonor him, this is what it means, that they are beneath his notice. This would imply a disregard for their needs and for their prayers. Wow, okay. So, what is a way that I can show the honor of God? This is one of the ways, by respecting his authority. We're going to talk about this a little bit further. And again, I want to put a little disclaimer out there, Ephesians 6.12, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
Our problems are not with a political party. Our problems are not with those that are, you know, teachers or those that are high up in education systems or, you know, in the healthcare units, right? Alberta Health is not our problem, especially in the season that we're living in. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is not your problem. Four amens on that is not going to cut it, y'all. He is not your problem. Doesn't say it in our Bible. So, you know, in 2020, you know, it's going to be a little different. You know, Paul, when you write this, just put a little disclaimer in there. Uh, in 2020, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is going to be their problem. It does not say that. Who are we fighting? And this is, this is key. I mean, from a sport realm, from any kind of realm, when you're in competition, you always want to know who your opponent is. This is why when we played soccer and I played volleyball, college, and all those things, we watched a lot of game film. Why do we watch game film? To study the opponent, to see their moves, to see what kind of tricks that they got up their sleeves. If we don't understand the opponent that we're going against, we're going to lose. And we have to understand in this life, who is our battle? Who are we fighting? We are not fighting against people. Anybody that's got flesh on them, anybody that's got blood in their veins, guess what? They are not our problem. Would we like them to be? Sure. Would you like to hit a few people? Absolutely. <laughs> Don't act as if you never wanted to hit somebody. There's been plenty of times I've wanted to hit people. Plenty. Sorry, did you hear me? Plenty. Even this past week, great opportunity arose. Great opportunity arose. So I did it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. But we have to know who are who we're fighting against. And our fight is not against people. It's against the principalities of power. Those that are seated in high places. That's our fight. That's our battle. So, honor. Again, I want to remind you of this, what it is. Honor means to value, to see as weighty, and to see as precious. Honor carries the meaning of respect and even reverence. So now with, this, with the Webster's Dictionary, it says to revere, to treat with reverence and submission. So from this definition, we see submission to authority is an aspect of true honor. Okay. To say I honor authority yet refrain from submission and obedience to it is to deceive ourselves because to honor authority is to submit to authority. Now, let's talk about the four divisions of authority. Did anybody tell me? Oh, it's, I will be going over this. So somebody tell me so I don't have to. There's four areas in the New Testament that that Jesus or the word of God shows us that we are to honor an authority. What is it? Number one is, yes, absolutely, God is, that's who we're honoring, but how do we show that we honor God? We got civil authority. What is civil authority? Those that are in government, you know, the police, all those things, those are civil authority. Also, we have the church. God laid out church authority. Thirdly, we got family authority, and we're going to get into that at the end of the month. Because you know one thing the Lord's really been teaching, you know, Jamie and I, we're going to do that together at the end of August. But true honor doesn't just mean honor up. For true honor to happen, it means honor up, but it's also honoring down, and it's honoring all the way around. When everybody is honored, that's the win. It's not just the guy up top, I mean, we're all just little, you know, dingoes down here just doing our thing. Honor, for true honor to exist, and the honor that God is commanding and telling us to live in, what is it? It's honor up, it's honor down, and it's everybody around. Cool for that. I'm glad you're all supporting on that. Okay. So that was family. And then number four, lastly, is social, which would be bosses, your employers, would be teachers, would also be coaches. 
And that's a big one. I, I, we're not going to get into that one today. I wish we could because I got a lot of examples. I'll give you one just, just for fun. But when I first started playing soccer, I believe, what, how old was I, Mama, on that one? That was, I don't know, 12, 4? <laughs> three months, yeah. I've been walking since three months. It's been a great time. But there, anyways, I was playing in this, in this team or whatever, and the, I remember our coach was, actually had asked another player, I need you to play goal because, you know, we have nobody else that wants to play goal. Everybody wants to score. That's kind of the thing. And so this, this kid, a little, you know, little fit, I don't want to play goal. I always got to play goal. Why, why, why? And he ran over to his dad. His, he went to his dad and I'll probably just told him, you know, this is what the coach said I have to do. I have to play in net. The dad came and said, you will take my son out of net and you'll put him up front or we're out of here. Said, sir, I, I need him here. He took his son and left. What did you just show? Dishonor. And I'm not going to get there, but I want you to, like, this is for, for next time I'm around. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 1, it actually talks about that when we are not properly honoring our employees, our employers, our bosses, our, co- our coaches, or whatever, is that you actually do a dismay to the gospel. Isn't that something? Man, we have a lot more authority than we think, you know. This is a big deal. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. But anyways, the point, God tells us to honor in each delegated authority, and in doing so, we put the honor principle in place in our life. We will be rewarded, whether partial or full, determined by the degree we honor and value authority. Now, again, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but we have three groups of people that we experience in our lives. We got people that are above us in authority. Did you recognize those people? Who are those that are above you in authority? You got to know who they are, right, amongst you as well. Because a lot of times what we have, what we see problems relationally is that there's not a clear understanding of who's above us, who's a peer, and who are those that are entrusted to our care. Because if you would treat somebody who's entrusted to my care and you put him above, you're going to have some problems, right? Same way, if you've got a peer and you treat him down here, you're going to got problems. Or if you've got somebody who is supposed to be above you and you treat him like he's entrusted to you, you got a problem, so all of this, this is huge across every area of the board, is when we properly honor and understand where different relationships are in place, then our lives will be working a whole lot differently. And we're going to talk about that again at the end of the month, go different into that. But now on again, remind everybody that we are in a kingdom. When you got taken out of the kingdom of darkness, you were placed into a kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. You were placed into a country. You were placed into a democratic society. You were placed into a kingdom. So this right here, what we're talking about, is not an option. When you are part of a kingdom, you have no say. You don't get a vote if you want Jesus as your king or not in two years. We don't go every November, how they do in the United States, but there's another, another presidential election. You will never have that in heaven, right? All of a sudden, you know, Jesus posters are being plastered all over heaven's walls. Vote for Jesus, right? I'll make life great for you. It's going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, you got vote for Joel, my way or the highway. My way or the highway. Make heaven great again. <laughs> Can you see how stupid that is? <laughs> so you're not going to see my poster going up there, make heaven great again, because you know what's going to happen to me? Adios, muchacho. You are so far gone. It's not even funny. This is a kingdom, and King Jesus is the boss. Everybody say boss. What he says goes. That's it. What he asks of you and I, that's it. You can't give a thought, you know what, Jesus, I have a better idea than that. It ain't going to happen. So when it comes to how we operate and live down here, for Christians, we think it's a choice how we can live. Stupid. 
We have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, the kingdom of darkness weighs, which is running my own life, doing my own thing, doing whatever feels good I do. You've been taken out of that. Now you're part of the kingdom of God's dear son, and his kingdom has got ways. It's got ways of thinking. It's got ways of operating. And when you operate in those ways, that's where the blessings of God come, but it's operating in his ways. Okay, now let's get into this. Romans chapter 13. Just turn there real quick. You know what, just for time's sake, yeah, just stay at Romans 13. But I want to just ask you a couple questions. Does God put in place evil leaders? Does God set in power evil people? Remember, all authority is godly, but not all, or sorry, I should say it like this. All authority is godly, but not all leaders are godly. If they decided to veer off and go crazy, that's their own issue. That's them, Right? God still sets place in Romans 13. Let's just turn there and read it for a sec. It says, all authority comes from God. Everybody say, all authority. All authority comes from the God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Notice it doesn't say selected or elected or voted in. Of course, we have a part to play. We find out, God, who do you want me to vote for? We have that privilege here in Western culture. Thank God we can. But it still says in the Bible that God actually sets them in place. God knew Trudeau was going to be in power before we even knew it. He knew it all. So for us to not submit to what he's saying, to submit and respect that man, you're going against God. And again, I want you to become reward conscious. This is what I'm, why am I honoring Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Yes, it's going to benefit our country, but it's going to benefit me as well. Reward, reward. Reward, reward. Anybody after a reward? It's good to be reward conscious. You give incentive to your kids, right? Kids, if you know, if you don't pee the bed tonight, you get McDonald's tomorrow. Sweet, Dad, I'm going to do my best. If there's incentive, we need that incentive. It's the same way with God. He does the same thing. He says, honor those in authority, but I don't want to. No reward. Choices, choices. Oh, that you would choose life. And in this case, oh, that you would choose honor. That you would choose it so that you and your children may live. And we're how come God's not answering my prayer? It could be because you're a little bit off. Simple as that. I don't want to sugarcoat it. That's just what it is. Could be that you're missing something, not God. All right. Now let me ask you this question. Are we to submit to harsh authority? Yes. We see it from King David's example. Why did God put David under Saul's care? Who was, who was he benefiting? It was benefiting David. And I'm not going to get in that time's sake. We heard that last week. But again, I want to just lay this out real quick. 1 Peter 2.18. I don't have it on the screen. It says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. And that word harsh in the Greek is skolios. Everybody say skolios. Now you learned a Greek word today. Skolios. And what does that mean? It means crooked. It means perverse. It means wicked and unfair leadership. So God is telling us to not only be good and kind to those who are gentle, but to be submissive even to those that are perverse and crooked and unfair. Now why? For whose benefit? It's for my benefit. Can I just give you the three things again? Does anybody remember this from last week? No, I could preach the same message over and over every week. I had no idea. So I spent all this time studying for something new, and yet I could just do the thing over and over again. Okay. 
You know, I want to just be honest. I do not, I don't do this just for looks for something to talk about. The Lord is trying to get something across to some of y'all. I know he's getting it across me, and I need you to hear this with every ounce of fiber in your being. Because some of you are being withheld your full reward. And you're going, God, where's my reward? And it could very well be in this place called honor. Not that I mean, it's not that I'm going searching and going, okay, what would be a good topic? Google, what's a great thing to talk about for the church today? Honor. They would never say that. Because <laughs> we're missing it in some places. And we need to receive our full reward. Rather than, God, where's my reward? It could be that you're screwing something up. Trust me, you don't have to go very far. I can go on Facebook and I can just scroll for about two minutes and already see where people are missing it. Not that I'm judging it. I'm looking at it and going, hmm, huh, talking that way about political leaders, talking that way about civil leaders, about policemen, about those fire medics, about you name it, anybody that's in that realm. There's your missing point right there. And you're wondering, why isn't nothing happening in my life? It's that comment you just posted and blasted looking for likes. I love you. I sincerely do. But we got to talk about this. Because for every time I see something negative being spoken about Justin Trudeau, I go, oh, my God. And not only that, it hurts my heart because this is the nation that God placed me in. You may blaspheme the man. This is the, this is the setting. Don't forget the man. God said it, prime minister for the nation of Canada. To blast that position is to blast the entire nation God set up. But meanwhile, we're just hanging out as chickens, like to just peck at Trudeau and just think he's doing everything wrong. Do I agree with everything he's done? Not a chance I don't. But it doesn't mean I don't respect and honor the man. It's a position that God gave him. And no position, God, God is very aware of what's going on in his life. But if I want to give God, I need divine intervention in my nation and in my city. And I'm going to get to that in a sec. And the way that I give it is I have to give God access to him. Okay. So now, what are the benefits of honoring these leaders? Number one, if treated unfairly, our obedience to submit puts our case in the hands of God who will judge justly. Because here's the thing, if I take matters into my own hands, God takes a step back and I'm on my own, to, uh, and that's a dangerous place to be. You can find, listen, you could be right. I deserve that promotion. I, can't, I was going 30 in a 30 zone. You can fight, you can cry, you can bang, you can smash your face. I didn't do that. I deserve this. I deserve that. And as long as you keep in that state, you may win, but guess what your result is? That's in. You got your win and that's it. I've heard of stories of men that have, men for certain job promotions, and this was supposed to be my job, but they gave it to some other guy. Whether it's because of race, whether it's because of the culture that they come from, whether it's because of, you know, it, it could be anything. This is my background. They knew too much of my personal life. They knew that I had problems in, you know, whatever it is, in, in addictions. It was a, you can name it. There's a plethora of them that I've different heard. But in leaving it in the hands of God, now you leave it with him, he will make sure that justice is carried out. It's not our job to take it into our own hands and try to make it work. You're not God. And this is a perfect example, 1 Peter chapter 2, 21, verse 23. It says at the very end that uh, Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Leave your case in the hands of God. Say it with me. Leave my case in the hands of God. You deserve that promotion. You deserve that raise. You didn't get it. Where do you leave it? Leave it with God. Leave it with Him. 
Well, I'm going to go into that meeting. I'm going to demand my raise. Go for it. See how well that works out for you. And listen, even if you do win, guess what your reward is? That extra two bucks an hour. Good on you. You fought, you won it. Good job. When God wanted to do a whole lot more for you. Whole lot more. But what happens, I leave the case in my own hands. I got this. I can figure this out. And listen, you are stuck. Why? Because you are limited. Okay, number two. If I return honor for unfair treatment, 1 Peter 3.9 says, don't repay evil back for evil. Don't retaliate insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Woo! And when God blesses, now everybody has the attention. Because God doesn't just throw pennies at you. When God blesses, things change drastically. Everybody doing okay? Okay, and number three, because trusting in God rather than vindicating myself, godly character is built within us. When you are being mistreated, see it as an opportunity, yes, for reward, but also secondly, look at it going, oh, it's an opportunity for me to get stronger on the inside. Do you see it that way? Or do you see trials and tribulations? Oh, man, it's so mean to me. How do you view it? Paul says it like this. You can rejoice too when you run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us. Everybody say, help us. Problems and trials help us? Come on, say it. Problems and trials help me. No, say it. Problems and trials help me. They're there. When a problem or a child comes your way, guess what? Promotions come in. People start talking nasty about you. What can you do? Yes, you're an idiot, you're a jerk, man, you're such a loser, you're no good, nobody ever wanted you. Yes, 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 yes. Now, Peter also addresses two different types of this. If you bring on problems because of your own stinking attitude, there's no reward. If you're stupid and you get treated as stupid, you deserve stupid. But if you're doing right, according to the word of God, you are acting justly, you're acting righteously, and you are being mistreated unfairly, now you can rejoice. But if you're being stupid, I never get a raise. You never show up on time. They're being so mean to me. Well, man, I got a job at 9 a.m. What time do you show up to work? Well, 9.30? I got to sleep. I got to eat. Have you seen the latest studies now? Man, you're supposed to sleep in until as far as you can. They're just mistreating me. I'm going to find a better job. You're ta- the problem is you. Is you. You're going to take you to the next job. You're going to take you to the next place. And guess what the problem is? It's you. God, I've been praying. Where's my job? He's saying, can you just hold down a job? Are we doing all right? We're still, we're we're having fun. I'm just, we need to lay this out. We need to talk about this because I've had way too many calls of people asking, going, how come I'm not seeing this happen in my life? And I'll just ask them a couple questions and I'll see right here, right here is the reason why you're not seeing things taking place in your life is a lack of honor. You don't. You're just not seeing it and going, God, where is my promotion? How come my wife is just being, and it goes into every area. It goes into civil authority, social authority, it goes into the family. I've even found this, husbands, if we don't honor our wives, you know what happens? Our prayers go hindered. <laughs> Anybody have that before? I've been talking to the Lord, and I'll say, the Lord said, I doesn't want to talk to you. Hey, Lord, how are you doing today? I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're sure grumpy today. No. 
the way you talk into my daughter, I don't appreciate. It goes in through so many areas. And so a life of honor is how we live. Anyways, that's for fun that you're going to hear that at the end of the month. Okay. Now, again, I want to give a proper balance to this because the Bible instructs us to unconditionally submit to authority, but the Bible does not teach us to unconditionally obey authority. When do we not obey? When it tells us to go against the word of God. But listen, even when we disagree, you can do it with respect. You can do it with honor. And I think this, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we, we touched on it at the very end last week. But I truly believe this with all my heart. As I spend time thinking and reading that story over and over in Daniel chapter 3, how come da- Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not burnt in the fire? Why were they untouchable? They didn't even smell like smoke when they went in there. I believe this is because they lived and walked in honor. You can see it over and over. Men of the king said, if you don't, if you don't bow... You're going to throw you in that seven times hotter. And they can, their response was, your majesty. Or, oh, king, even if you choose not to throw us in there, we still will not bow. Could you imagine if, just think of this scenario for a sec. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing here. King Nebuchadnezzar throws those threats at him. If you don't bow, you're going to burn. Heat the thing seven times hotter, you bunch of punks. And just tearing into them. Bunch of Jews probably threw some nasty racial things in there. You're just no good Jew and all those things. Just threw it at them, Right? Imagine if these guys came out, King, you're, well, forget you, and bleep, 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 and why do you bleep, bleep this, and why do you, this, bleep, bleep, this, that? And the king says, throw them in the fire. What would happen to them if they walked in dishonor? They would die on the spot. I believe that with all my heart. But why could they go through the fire, be untouchable, come out on the other side, and the king go, your God is the God we're going to serve in this nation? It's because they walked in honor. Unfair treatment. But because they continue and say, we are going to continue walking this way, look what happened. They turned an entire nation around. An entire nation around. Why? Because they chose honor way. Again, honor is a choice. King Nebuchadnezzar, as we saw last week, was a a wicked king. He destroyed the temple. He burnt down many homes in Israel. This is who he was. He took over Israel. And yet, here we are, we see these these captives, these Hebrew captives, and they still honor the king because they knew authority. They understood God's authority that he places people in, in their positions, and when you honor that position, you're honoring him, and therefore you're putting the honor cycle in effect in your life. These guys were untouchable. They could have thrown, how come Daniel didn't get eaten by a lion? Come on, everybody. How come Daniel's not eaten by the lion? He honored the king. He said, don't worry, O king. My God will protect me. There is so much respect coming out of his mouth. Listen, this is the thing that we've seen in culture, that if you, dis- if you have, a- if we have a disagreement, we don't like each other anymore. Why is that? It's because culture's told us that anybody that thinks differently than you, there's something wrong with them. And what do we do? We avoid them. We talk nasty about them. We backstab them. That's not, that- that's crazy. Even in the church. People talking nasty about people in the church. Oh, you know, those are just the Baptists. <laughs> That's my brother in Christ. Listen, we, it's so quick to backstab, but we don't, we don't even realize anymore because what happened, we've gotten too accustomed to the culture and the behavior of this world. The behavior and the customs of this world become the church's norm, and that's the problem. And that's where it stops right here. We make the changes right now. Why? So that I get out of this world system because it ain't going nowhere. 
What do I need to do? I need to pick God's ways so I can reap the benefits of God's kingdom. And that's why we actually, in one of our values here, we have no trash talk. I don't care who they are, where they come from, what their background is. We have no trash talk. And that simply means we show honor to people as children of God. Okay. Now what I want to do is I want to just take the last little bit of time here and I want to talk about honoring civil leaders for a sec. I know we've kind of, you know, dived in a little bit of, in and out of this a little bit. But I want to just take the last bit just to talk about this because I, I, just the Lord showed me something this week that he needs access to my government. He needs access to my police forces. He needs access to Alberta Health Services. He needs access, well, just Canadian in general. Right? And I'm talking about from Canada because I'm a Canadian. This is where God placed me. This is where I am. But I want you to, again, let's look at Romans 13. Look at verse 3. It says this, For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? That's a question we got to answer. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Yes? Okay. Then do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong... Of course, you should be afraid, very afraid, (laughs) for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Now, would anybody disagree with that? No. Okay. So you must submit to them. So let's read that again. So you must, so you must what? I'm going to just blink over that word. So you must to them. No, you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but look at this, but also to keep a clear conscience. Why is keeping a clear conscience so important? So you can hear the voice of God. This is why I'm going to honor those that are in authorities, in specifically government, so I can keep a clear conscience. Did anybody ever have that before, where you said something nasty about a political person, about a police officer, about anything like that, and all of a sudden your heart smote you? Ooh, guilty. Absolutely guilty. And what happened? That's the Spirit of God trying to get your attention. Oh, don't go down that path. Do not go down that path. Stay choosing honor. Stay on this path. Okay? Just keep a clear conscience. Then he says this. You ready for these famous three words? Pay your taxes. I work hard for it. The government doesn't deserve my money. My tax dollars pay your salary. Any ever heard of any of that stuff before? But what does God say right here? Pay? Come on, read it with me. Pay your taxes. I love God so much. I love God so much. I'm just not going to do that. You don't love him. You don't. If you love him, you do what he says. Pay your taxes. Say it with me. Pay your taxes. For these same reasons. What are the same reasons? To avoid punishment and to keep a clear conscience. I've known ministers who've been in jail because they didn't pay their taxes. What kind of evangelistic platform is that? I'm a pastor. I ain't paying that. I belong to the kingdom of God. I ain't paying no taxes. And then he's thrown in jail. Where's the pastor? Oh, he's in jail today. He didn't pay his taxes. Oh, that's kind of a weird thing. Can you see how that's hurting the kingdom of God? 
thinking we're fighting for it. For government workers need to be paid. They Look at this, these. They are serving God in what they do. They are serving God in what they do. So the next time a police officer pulls you over for speeding, I want you to remember this. They are serving God in what they're doing. I know. Can we just talk about who we are in Christ and what Jesus came in? No, he spilt his blood for it. Can we just talk about the authority we have? Yeah, the, all of this is entangled. We don't have different lives. We don't have my Christian life, and then I have my separate life over here. This is all connected. If I can't learn how to honor authority, nothing in my life is going to work. I want to, I want to, you know, the authority that I have that Jesus gave me. If I want to have authority, guess what? I need to be under authority. If I want to see it take place in my life, then I also have to be under it. And you know, this is an interesting thing that the Lord really is just helping me see. Because everywhere that I go, did you know that I'm not always a leader? (gasps) When I go into a different church, I am not the leader of that church. When I walk into a home, I'm not the leader of that home. When I get around other kids, I'm not the leader of your kids. When I get around a different spouse, I'm not the leader of a spouse. I don't have any jurisdiction over anybody else's things unless that which God has given me. I can't walk into a church and say, you guys are just doing this all wrong. Like, this this is wrong, that's wrong. You need to be doing it this way. I have no say. Now, the only time I have say then is when a pastor or a you know, minister invites me in and he says, I give you my platform to speak from. He has just given me authority to now speak at his level. And from there, that's where I actually get words. That's where I get things for that specific church. That happened numerous times. But I can't just walk into a place and say, Thus saith the Lord! It's not how it works. I can't just walk into your home. This is wrong. You need to be doing it this way. Kids, you're misbehaving. You must change and follow my example. I'm not in charge there. There's places where I walk to where I actually need to be coming under authority. When I walk into another man's church, guess what? I'm under his authority. And if I refuse to honor his position, guess what? I get nothing out of it. And if I go looking for the authority in that room, guess what? I'm going to miss it big time, and I'm overstepping boundaries. You know, the only, like, this, God is, he does everything with decency and in order. That's who God is. Did you know my only access to this podium, to this platform here, was through Pastor John and Ingrid? Oh, God called me. God called me to preach. Yeah, but if I went against them, I'm coming over as a thief and a robber, and I'm doing it wrong. we got a lot of self-proclaimed preachers out there that try to just make things happen. You either sent or you just went. I was sent. What was my portrait? John, if you read John chapter 10, this, is, this will help a lot of those kinds of issues. Anybody that says, I'm a prophet, watch out. I'm a preacher. Are you? Because if you are, you're going to come through the right door. And Jesus actually talks about this door being a porter in the King James Version. Talks about a porter or an access point. My only access to this church was through Pastor John and Ingrid. I had no other way of getting to this place. Yeah, but God called me. You know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Absolutely. But you need an access point to get in. You can't just come in and say, I'm starting a church, and here we go. You will fail. You will fall. Why? Because there has to be an access, an avenue point in order to get in. It's the same way. Just like any kind of those in authority, anybody in civil, social authority, even in the family, those are positions that you've been given. Can you see that? Whether you, you, at the education system, whether through government, you have to go in through the door, a proper door. Because anybody that just tries to climb in and say, I'm going to be the next prime minister and climb over somebody, they're going to fail. Are, are we all? 
Okay. All right. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And notice this, and give. Everybody say give. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Give it? It's, I'm supposed to give it? Yeah. They don't have to earn it. Prime Minister Trudeau, if he were to walk into this room right now, I would stand at attention and I would respect that man. Why? It's a position. If Jason Kenney were to walk through these doors right now, what would we do? I would respect, I would respect that man. Well, now here's the thing. Those are the people above us. But now just for a little, just throwing it out there, how do we treat other people? People that are our peers. Another child of God, how do we look at them? This is one thing my parents taught me actually growing up. When we saw somebody that was part of a church or a friend, we always stood up to shake hands and say, hey, good to see you. It's just proper respect, proper honor to show that. And listen, at my peer level, I got peers around. So what do I do? I'm going to stand up and say, it's good to see you. Because I want to accept that person as a child of God. Calling them and seeing them who they are, not their mistakes or their mishaps. And then those that are under my care, I'm going to come down and say, hey, how are you doing, man? It's so good to see you. Those are my little buddies. Hi, guys. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold them in that position. It's, it's everyone around. Okay. 1 Peter 2.17 says it like this. Peter said, fear God. Everybody say, fear God. Honor the king. Fear God, honor the king. So to honor the king, I have to fear God first. That means respect. So Peter is saying like this, how can you say that you fear God whom you do not see when you cannot honor the leader that he has placed his authority upon which you do see? It's impossible. We all, we're all still doing okay? Okay, I'm finishing up here. Now, I want everybody to go to Acts chapter 12, and I'm going to finish it here. But I want to show you an example of honor and praying done by the church. And I want you to see the results. Acts chapter 12. Again, we're talking about those that are in civil authority. Now, during the writings of Peter, who was the king? It was King Herod Agrippa. And he was a cruel leader, especially to believers because it served his political purpose and it gained him favor with Jews. Right? Let's just read verse 1 here for a sec. About this time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James killed with a sword. Now, this is the beginning of the church. Who's James? <laughs> Ooh, smart people in the room, I tell you. That was the answer I was exactly looking for. John's brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, born December 1st, you know, 1980. This was Pastor James. He pastored the Jerusalem church. Okay, so now what happened? All of a sudden, what did, they, what did King Herod Agrippa do? He killed the main pastor in that city where the church started. What do you think would happen among the church folk? This was our man. This was our leader. You killed Pastor James? Could you just, I want you to think about it. Like, this is not just, you know, one of the disciples, although that's bad enough. This is the main leader of the church that has just started. We're in the grassroots of the church just being started. And all of a sudden, they're all in fear because this king is now persecuting. Why is he persecuting Christians? Because he saw after I killed James, it made the Jews real happy. And if the Jews stay happy, he'll stay in power long enough. So what's he after? He's after power, so he'll do whatever he can to stay in that place. And now your leader, the main man, the guy that walked with Jesus, Pastor James himself, the half-brother of Jesus, is now killed by the sword. All the disciples, man, what, this is crazy. I can't believe they did that to Pastor They did that to Pastor James? 
I'm next. They know where I live. They know where we're having church. Man, could you imagine just the, the, the stuff that was trying to creep in during that time? Okay, verse 2. He had the apostle James, as I said, killed with the sword. Verse 3. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Now, who's Peter? Is he another main leader in the church? He's one of the top three. Peter, James, and John. Those are the three that Jesus took very close you know, ties with. Now, James is gone. Peter now is arrested, verse 4. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out to public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly. All right, now I want you to see this. What happened here? What takes place here? You know, just a quick side note before I read the rest of this. You know, remember Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. G, or God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Who does God leave the changing that's happening in a nation? Who does he leave that with? The political leaders? He leaves it with who? His church. He says, those that are called by my name, if they would humble themselves, forsake their evil ways, and they would pray, I would come and I would heal their land. No prime minister, no president, no who organization, WHO, no whatever, you can put initials around it, is able to save this planet. They're going to put all these green new deals and throw that deal on there and throw this new one on there. Trying to save the planet? Can I just give you guys all a little understanding? There is no such thing as saving this planet. It's going to be burnt to a crisp very short time from now. That's it. Global warming, global melting. And that's not just because we're driving trucks. I'm talking like God's going to destroy this sucker. He's going to get rid of the whole thing. But God says this. He leaves the responsibility in the hands of us. If we're going to see this nation changed, if we're going to see this coronavirus stop being the fear monger that it is, guess what the change is going to come through? Us. 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 There's no protest that can, la- that can stand and change everything that's going on. It comes from the church. Why? Because it's the church that is here to be the hands, to be the feet, to be the voice of Jesus on this earth. And if we neglect that voice and get involved with everything that's going on down here like a bunch of chickens, we are missing our calling and our purpose. Our purpose is to change. Our purpose is to declare. Our purpose is to actually reveal the manifold wisdom of God to the nations, to all the angels and the demonic spirits that are out there. The church does that. And until we take that place, nothing will happen. So it's time for us, church, we got to wake up. It's not about a prime minister that stinks. It's not about a president who stinks. It has nothing to do with any of that. What we're talking about is getting people back in line so God can fully reward, but also God can have some divine intervention in this nation. He needs a hand in the nation. How does he get it? Through the church. Ha. Okay. So God puts the healing on the land, on those who are called by his name. So now let's go back to Peter here for a sec. Look at verse 6. What happened? The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Isn't that an amazing place to be? You're about to get stabbed here, Peter, and let's just have a little nap. Fastened with chains between two soldiers, others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. Now remember, the church is praying earnestly. 
The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. It's like just talking to my two-year-old. Okay, hey, now you got to get your clothes on, Peter. Okay, get dressed, Peter. Okay, sandals, Peter. <laughs> Come on, Peter. <laughs> the angel said, <laughs> So Peter left the cell. Following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. Huh, the Lord has sent an angel and saved me. I think he's talking to himself. There's nobody there. Right, he's from Herod. And now, with the Jewish leader, he's planned to do to me? When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer, or many were gathered, sad to say in 2020, many were gathered around their Facebook and ready to post the next article. <laughs> Sorry, did I, was that too modern for us? Is that, no, again, looking at verse five, but while Peter was in prison, the church complained on Facebook. But can you see what's happened? What has we, the church, got involved in? We got involved fighting a flesh game. There's, and again, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong to bring awareness. There's nothing wrong with posting, hey, this is what's going on. It, but it should lead us to pray, not fight. Because what's the enemy ultimately wanting to do? Divide. This is his plan is to divide. And what's happening with coronavirus? It's dividing the church. That's got to stop right here. It's got to nip it right now because that's his whole plan. Because if he can get the church divided, guess what? He won. Church, we got to stand more united than we ever have before. I don't care, man. If they're, if they're so wrong, guess what? We're going to work alongside, come along people to where they're at. And then we're going to help bring people up. That's our role. Okay. So as long as what I'm posting, I'm praying about, it's okay. But if I'm posting it to get discussion, oh, God. Oh, Facebook riots are the worst. Dear Lord, some of the stupidity that you see. Anyway, I got to just, I had to delete it for a little bit because I'm just like, I'm going to hurt somebody. I will hurt somebody. And the more I look at it, the more I want to hurt. So, um, verse 13, he knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, no, she's there, he's there, he's there. It must be his angel, they concluded. Verse 16. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them, how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't find them, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. What a jerk. <laughs> Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now, I want you to know this is all taking place. 
But why is it these circumstances change? Number one is because of the constant prayers of church. And number two, because of the, their obedience to honor those in authority. Those powered, packed, those two items come together and it made a click. It made a combination of great impact that turned an entire event around. Where Peter was going to be killed is now out. Can you see this? How did he come out? Through the prayers of the church and through continuing to be honorable to those that are in authority. And look at verse 20. Look at what happened to um, King Agrippa. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a God, not a man. Verse 23, instantly. We say instantly. An angel of the Lord struck Herod. It says with a sickness, but most translations just struck him. Struck him because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Now, this is New Testament. This is New Testament. This is in our time. So right here, what happened to King Herod? Number one, judgment came, but it was by the sword of the Lord, not by people. We think that we are the church are supposed to judge our leaders. You're not. Hello, everybody. This is, this, if you just woke up, this is what you need to hear. Our job is not to judge the leader. Who judges the leader? God. It actually says, and I believe in Proverbs 14, it says that the heart of the leader is in the hands of the Lord. It's his job to judge, my job to honor. You see that? That's my job. God is the one who brings judgment on authorities. We are commanded to pray and honor for those and these leaders. If there is a need for judgment, God simply asks that we make room for it. Can I say that again? If there is need of judgment, which to some degree in our city, in our nation... There needs to be judgment. So what do we do? Do we judge the man? Do we condemn him with our own words? No, we honor the position and give God access to do what he does best, which is rightfully judge. What are your hands? Our hands are clean. Clean. Who am I to judge? I'm not in that position. I hope you're hearing this. And lastly, I want to make mention, we withhold God's promise to judge righteously by our disobedience to not pray and honor our leaders. So in effect, we take away the very thing our nation, our province, our city needs, which is divine intervention. We need divine intervention, not Joel housing intervention. Not Facebook group intervention. We need divine intervention. And what's the result of divine intervention? Look at verse 24. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. That's the result. Why? Because judgment took place. So now, and I'm not going to get this for time's sake, but I would actually encourage you, there's a modern-day example of this that took place in Nigeria in 1993. 
And uh, I heard this story from a couple of ministers that were speaking, uh, Brother Copeland's conference. And he, there's, a, there's a gentleman, a pastor, that pastors a church out there. Like, it is huge. It's one-fourth of the Nigerian population. It is huge. It's about five million. Huge. Huge. And in 1993, there was an evil prison that came into power named Sani Abachi. Look it up. Google it. I did, I did all the research on it. Sani Abachi. He came into power wrong. He came in with, he killed a lot of innocent people, set up his own kingdom, did a lot of nasty things. I mean, hurt a lot of individuals, innocent lives. And what he did, he set himself up. And this pastor, Adi Ababo, I may be butchering it a little bit, Adi Ababo, he, they have prayer meetings, big prayer meeting. Every month they have a prayer meeting for their nation specifically, and then twice a year an all-Nigerian prayer gathering. Now, his monthly prayer meetings were one million people a service. This is what changes. What do people come least to is a prayer meeting. How do I know? Look at here. It's our smallest gathering. Why? Well, just, you know, not really things happening. Let me tell you something. You need to get a different thought on prayer right now, right now. A million people come out every month, and then at these gatherings, they would have one in December and then one in June, and there would be two and a half million people at these prayer, just a prayer week. That's all they would do is they would have a little bit of teaching, and they would just pray in tongues and hit it in tongues. And in 1993, this was in, or sorry, 92 December, uh, this pastor, he saw the Lord open his eyes, gave him a vision. He saw two angels come out of heaven. Sorry, this, I'm sorry, this was March. March of 93, he, the Lord opened his eyes. He saw two angels with swords coming into this earth. And he said, Lord, what, what's this? And he said, this president, Sani Abachi, if he doesn't turn, repent, he will be judged. And so this, this pastor, he proclaimed that he gave the, this scenario. He actually wrote a letter to the president warning him about this is what's going to take place if you don't change your thinking, if you don't change the way you're going. And so he invited this pastor to come into his palace. He offered him a pile of money to see if this thing could stop. And he said, and the Lord told him, do not take anything from him. So he said, no, with all due respect, sir, I decline any financial gain. I'm just here to warn you what the Lord told me. He said, you have three months, March, April, May, June. If you look at it, actually BBC, if you Google it, BBC News, June 8th, 1993, he all of a sudden had a massive heart attack, died on the spot. And that same year, they got a brand new guy in leadership who was a believer and turned the whole thing around. And, and this is where Reinhard Bonnke, anybody remember Reinhard Bonnke? Our evangelist, man, he's the man. He was denied access into Nigeria up till 1993. When this new president came in, Reinhard Bonnke was allowed in. And that's where millions upon millions, and I'm not just talking to one or two, 40 million in a crusade received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What's the result? What's the result? Salvation. The word of God spread and the multitudes got saved. Christians, this is our job. Our job is not to condemn Trudeau, not to come against Kenny, not to come against Veer. That's not our job. Our job is not to judge. Our job is to honor and in honor. You know, I've actually come to the place where I actually, I, I deeply care for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. I care for his salvation. I care for his family, his wife, his three kids. I care about him. Why? Man, he needs salvation just like any one of us do. And he's in trouble. So what do we do? We've got to help the man out by honoring that position. If we can help him by our prayers, so be it. And if he refuses to change, guess what? God's the one who takes him out, not me. Why? Because God placed him there. I, can we see how all this wraps together? This goes right back to Romans 13, 1 and 2. God sets people in power. 
So when God's people honor those in authority, pray for them, and walk in obedience to the word of the Lord, we will see great outpourings of God's spirit on our city, of our province, and on our nation. So what are we waiting for? This is our job. Can we take three minutes just to say thank you for prime minister? Can we just pray for the man? Again, if you're looking, where's the scripture for that? First Timothy chapter 2 tells us to pray for kings and all those that are in authority. Ask that God would help them. And more than anything, not only does we ask for help, but you know what? It changes our hearts too. Listen, even if we had the, the prime minister that we wanted in there, even if we had him in there, guess what? He would still make mistakes. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Because you know what? If you actually get so angry at this man, you know what it shows me? Two things. Number one, it shows that you are depending on this one individual for the outcome of your life. And number two, flat out, you don't trust God. If he makes you so mad that it wrecks your day, where is God in all of this? Do you believe in God? Yes, I do, but it's it. it the word says to put no trust in princes. Don't put any trust in government authorities. It says curses anyone who actually takes their trust away from the Lord and puts it in mere men. He said that person will be like a stunted shrub. This is Jeremiah 17. You'll see nothing. When the, when the good days come, you won't even notice it. Why? Because you're so focused on a man. You're so focused on a party. You're so focused on a political or a civil thing. And you go, oh, why is this so wrong? That you miss it. Meanwhile, what's, what's the media trying to do? And you know, I actually heard a really interesting word. I'm just keep going. I'm going to shut up now. But this word was so interesting. Everybody, Christians, were looking for a false prophet. Do you know what the false prophet is? Media. It's the media. Come on, it's the media. We're looking for an individual. It's a whole media platform. So what does it try to do? It's trying to pull your attention away and get you so focused on what's not and this could be better. Listen, everything could be better. And guess what? It's not going to be. Want to know why? Because it's a fallen world. There is a real devil. He is out here to steal, kill, and to destroy. And let's just be honest. Not everybody is going to accept Jesus as their Lord. So we got a lot of evil things that are happening in this earth. But one day that will all be gone. But till then, we fight. And our fight is not with people. It's not with how stupid people are. Our fight is with those that are in principalities and powers and high places. And we're seated far above that. So let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word says, Jesus, that we are to honor and to pray for those that are in authority. So we do that right now, sir. In Jesus' name, we lift up Prime Minister Trudeau to you. Father, we, lift, we ask you, number one, for his salvation, that his eyes would be enlightened to the gospel. Father, we ask for, for him, for his soul, to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus, we ask you for people that come across his path that will speak words of truth, that will speak words of life, but also in love. Father, in Jesus' name, this is the position that we have. Satan, we bind you in, our, in Ottawa. We give you no authority. We give you no place in that cabinet. We take our authority in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, that your will would be done in this earth as it is in heaven. Father, we love him. We thank you for him. We thank you for his life. Thank you for his family. Oh, Father, his young children. Father, in Jesus' name we ask you for all those that are around him. All those that are around him. And Father, we ask you that those that are feeding false information, in Jesus' name, Father, that you would bring a swift judgment on that. We ask you for it. And Father, we'll do our part to honor and to respect that position. We thank you for that. In Jesus' my precious name.